we welcome you on into another episode of Big Time Sports Podcast Show. It's Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bala here to give you the latest in the sporting world. Mitch, we uh, are excited to be back this week. We've got a number of scores, a number of stories to get into here, and we are previewing a whole bunch of stuff heading into the rest of the athletic week. Yeah, Mitch, I mean, we're in the middle of, or yeah, I'd say close to the middle of the spring seasons for local sports, but we have a lot of stories to touch on here involving local high school sports and athletics with alumni and and maybe some coaching changes. We'll have to wait and see later in this episode. A lot of stuff going on in the area, yours and mine. And we now go into our uh, beginning segment of the week, which is typically where we uh, go through everything that's going to be happening on broadcasting here on Big Time Sports. And that is this week at Big Time Sports. So we now go into... Uh, the, the the broadcasting schedule for this week, which includes uh, our appearances on the upcoming Big Time Sports Show, as well as our uh, broadcasts for this week. Now, you can see this coming Wednesday at 7 p.m. or Friday at 10 p.m., the Strasburg Tigers softball team arrive at the Big Time Sports studios. Charlie Jones interviewing some of the players there, as well as uh, a number of others, you know, the Tigers are off to a great start this year. You can also see on Thursday at 7.30 p.m. and Saturday morning at 8.30 a.m., the new Philadelphia Quakers baseball team make an appearance. So Charlie will be talking to them. And as far as this week's games on Big Time Sports, you can check out the Indian Valley Braves take on the Strasburg Tigers in a softball showdown. Uh, live stream begins uh, this week at 5 p.m. You can find it on BigTimeSportsOhio.com. That game coming to you on Thursday starting at 5 p.m. on BigTimeSportsOhio.com or the LBN app. You can also find the replays of it or your local cable listings on Thursday at 10 p.m. or Wednesday at 4 p.m. Excuse me, Tuesday at, 4, at 10 p.m., Wednesday at 4 p.m. So that game will be on Tuesday rather than Thursday. Now, as for Friday, Dover will take on Tuscarora Central Catholic in baseball. New Philadelphia in baseball, excuse me. Uh, that live stream beginning at 5 p.m. on BigTimeSportsOhio.com. You can find the replay on Friday at 10.30 p.m. and Saturday at 2 p.m. And, of course, you can find your local cable listings at Spectrum 15 or 989 and MCT 128. Or go online to WIVMTV.com. You can also download the LBN app, LocalBroadcastNetwork.com, or go to BigTimeSportsOhio.com, as we've been saying throughout all of this. So that is this week at Big Time Sports. You can find our local television programs. You can find our local game broadcasts and much more. So, Mitch, now we talk about some of those baseball games from coming last week where we see some of these teams really find their footing in a still early season. For baseball, a lot of teams getting a bit off to a late start. You know, uh, inclement weather has canceled a couple of games. They're still trying to find as many contests as they can play. Softball, a little more into the season. I mean, Give us kind of a rundown of what's been going on in Stark because there's one particular team that kind of captured a pair of games that were somewhat unexpected that you were talking about before the show. Yeah, Mitch. So let's start with the Louisville Leopards baseball team. This is a team that made it to the Elite Eight last year in baseball. They ultimately lost to Chardon, who ended up being the Division II state champions uh, in high school baseball last year. Louisville had two tough games this past weekend, Mitch, going up against an undefeated Hoban Knights team that boasts a lot of talent. The Hoban Knights won the 2021 state championship. They were runners up to Chardon in 2022, and they are loaded and primed to make another run. Louisville, two, Hoban, nothing. Louisville hands Hoban the first loss, also defeating Vanderbilt commit Noah Lafine, who took the ball for Hoban, a tremendous talent here in Northeast Ohio. A lot of area teams know of him. 
Uh, it's never an easy task when he's on the mound, but Louisville scoring two runs in the bottom of the fourth. And that's it. To hold Hoban to no runs and only three hits says something about Louisville's pitching staff. So not only did Louisville then beat Hoban, Louisville then avenged their loss against Chardon from last year in the playoffs and defeated the defending Division II state champions 4-2 to two this past weekend as well. So now Louisville sits at 4-2 and two overall after picking up two very impressive wins over two very talented and very respectable teams in Northeast Ohio, Mitch. So Louisville right now is playing very, very good baseball. You look at some of these other scores. You had Lake, who played Springfield. Uh, they traveled a little bit this weekend. Lake defeats Springfield 14-4. to uh, Lake, well, the records on here are a little messed up because they are definitely are not 46-0. and Sure. Uh, but Lake, I believe, is still undefeated overall this season. As I'm looking at the standings and everything I have in front of me, that caught me by surprise. But Lake, with just... Scoring nonstop, one in the first, eight in the second, five in the fifth. Uh, that's how they ended up. They scored, you know, a couple more in the uh, sixth then. So 11 runs there, or excuse me, 14 runs and 11 hits there. Uh, Lake also beat Revere 13 to three. And so the Blue Streaks are off to a very great start. They will take on Green this week in Federal League play. Speaking of Green, Mitch, Green got a win this past weekend as well. They defeated Painesville Riverside 8-3. Green now sits at 3-3 three and three overall, 1-1 one one in Federal League play heading into this uh, week. A couple other teams area-wise. Maslin losing a one nothing game in 11 innings to Akron Ellett. It was a walk-off double uh, for Ellett, who ended up winning one nothing. They scored one run on six hits. Maslin limited to three hits in the 11 inning affair. No runs coming across for them, like we mentioned. Maslin falls to five and two with the loss. They will take on the Canton McKinley Bulldogs this week. McKinley out of the Federal League this week on a bye. And the Bulldogs, Mitch, picked up a very nice 10 0 win on Saturday when they defeated Claymont. McKinley now four and four overall, two and two in the Federal League. A couple other Fed schools. Jackson went on the road. They suffered their first loss of the season this past weekend to Strongsville. Jackson led this game 3-0 and then 4-3. And then Strongsville scoring 4-2 and two in the 4th and 6th inning to defeat Jackson 9-4. A lot of walks there for Jackson, a lot of free passes, which we know Coach Gamble is not happy about. But a lot of guys that, Mitch, you mentioned the inclement weather, that haven't gotten a lot of opportunities that had to be put out there. And so it was just one of those things they had to get out there, put guys on the mound that we're supposed to pitch in the past couple of weeks, but the rain has, you know, really altered their opportunities. So Jackson now at seven and one overall, three and zero in the Federal League. They will take on Hoover tonight at Hoover, and then Wednesday at Jackson. Speaking of Hoover, we had two eleven inning affairs this past weekend. Mitch Hoover wow. lost in eleven innings to Stowe four to three on Saturday. Uh, so Hoover now is two. Two and three overall. Stowe, a very good team in Northeast Ohio. They're six and one overall after that win. Uh, Perry beat another local team down in your area, Newcomerstown, 10 to nothing. Uh, Newcomerstown still, though, Mitch, off to a tremendous start under head coach Stephen Scott, who we already had on this podcast. Uh, and it's a lot for a team like Newcomerstown to come up and play a Division One team like Perry. That score, though, 10 nothing. But at the same time, Newcomerstown probably saw a lot of talent and learned something from that loss they suffered at Perry this past Saturday. Uh, some other schools, but also kind of between us, Carrollton uh, defeating 
Harrison Central, 8-5 to five at the PBR Classic at Toronto High School this week. Uh, Fairless, 5. Strasburg, 4. And uh, I don't want to take many more away from you there, but a lot of teams were able to get out this weekend, Mitch, in what was, for the first time in like three weeks, a very nice Saturday afternoon that didn't involve rain or extremely high winds. No doubt, no doubt. And there was a number of games that were active in my area as well. I mean, we look at some of the baseball standings just over here. And you mentioned uh, Newcomers Town getting that experience against Perry. They are still unbeaten in conference play alongside Canton Valley at the top of the IVC North standings early on in the season. Now, Canton Valley got a boost on Monday night when they were able to beat Strasburg in extra frames by a 7-6 to six final. Uh, a very solid pitching performance there for a couple well for gage gallagher who went five innings and then nate downing got the relief victory after working the final three innings allowing one earned hit or one earned run on a hit and a walk while striking out four mason wagner shouldered a huge uh bulk of the tigers pitching performance in that game throwing 127 pitches over seven innings before being replaced in the extra frame so Canaan Valley wins that one. You also had a couple of games like Sandy Valley, uh, or uh, softball rather. You had uh, uh, other baseball games, including uh, New Philadelphia beating Steubenville last night in a 4-3 to three final over at Tuscora. Uh, Brant Wells earned his first win of the season in a relief effort. He went 3.2 innings, or 3.1 innings, compared to the 3.2 innings that Quaker starter Maddox Brown threw. Uh, they almost had very similar numbers. Wells went three hits, two earned runs, strike, struck out four, walked one. Brown went two hits, one unearned run, one walk, and four strikeouts. Uh, and then Gavin Blake had three hits on the night, uh, with an RBI and a run. The Carter Vandal and Carson Long each had a pair of hits. So the Quakers able to get a victory there. And on the IVC South side, we currently see Sandy Valley and Highland both unbeaten in conference play. And then Indian Valley getting up there as well. Uh, and then Tuskegee Valley, Garraway, Ridgewood, and Claymont rounding out the standings there. Uh, so then we have on the softball side. It, this was a matchup that I was very curious about, Mitch, because Strasburg and Canaan Valley have been two of the best IVC North teams not just in the IBC North, but in the entire Tuscarawas County area this season. Strasburg scored five runs in each of the first three innings and won 15 to zero in five innings on Monday night. A very solid performance from the offense. Five home runs were hit, two of them each by Ella Gilkerson and Haley Rieger. Olivia Spidell also had one. Olivia Spidell has had multiple games this year, Mitch, where she's fallen one hit short of the cycle. Multiple games like that. Uh, whether it be a double or a triple that she's missed, but she's come close each at each time. Uh, and then Amelia Spidell, one of the top pitchers in her in the state, even uh, through a shutout, allowed three hits, struck out nine in those five innings. So Strasburg getting a big statement when there. They'll also play Indian Valley this week, as we mentioned on this week in big time sports. And uh, Dover was able to beat Maslin pretty handily, uh, thirteen to one. Dover had eleven hits for the game. Addie Martin had a pair of home runs for the Crimson Tornadoes. Charlie Reese also went yards. She also had a double in that game. And then Jenna Mulk was able to strike out 13 Tiger batters in the victory. And then we mentioned the Sandy Valley game. That was an extra inning win for the Cardinals against the Trojans 10-7. Both teams were tied at 6-all before the Cardinals plated four runs in the uh, eighth, like they uh, plated four runs in the sixth, coming back from a 5-2 deficit at that point. Uh, you had another complete game from McKenna Burke, who has gone the distance in every game so far this season for Sandy Valley. Teresa Petro homered in her second consecutive game. Uh, and then you also had Carson Dine hitting a double. Burke hit a triple on the game. Uh, so, yeah, the Cardinals are now 2-4 and four after getting up, off to a bit of a tough start to the season. But I think they're really finding their footing there. 
And uh, I mean, we mentioned some of the other uh, scores that were going on. I mean, what's been really the the story in softball for your area this year in Stark County? Who are the top teams and players? Well, Mitch, for the first time in a long time around Stark County, it's typically always Hoover and Perry. Those are two powerhouses that have made multiple runs to states, won a couple state championships, respectively, for both sides. The Federal League is, we'll call it wide open. Coming into this season, there wasn't a whole lot of known going into it with all the teams in the federal league Hoover obviously always gets the benefit of the doubt because the run they've been able to put together as a softball program is if we're being frank here, Mitch historic, they're a team year in year out that always can make a run deep in the tournament, always can win the federal league. Harry, not as strong as years past, but at the same time, it's not a team I would want to even face because they have that experience from younger girls that are now older as well as the coaching staff. But Mitch, don't want to sound like a homer, but Julia Gossett for Jackson right now is doing it all. The Purdue commit pitched two games last week and also drove in a plethora of runs. She drove had a walk-off two-run double. I want to correct myself last week. I said home run. It was a two-run double versus Glen Oak, and then they beat Lake in a game that she just dazzled on the mound again, drove in runs to help her own cause. Uh, Julia Gossett right now, Mitch, looks like one of the most dominant players throughout the Federal League and really throughout the area. But at the same time, we're going to find out tonight just how dominant she's been because Jackson travels to Hoover, and that is no easy place to play in softball. The Hoover Lady Vikings are looking to get back on track and really show that they're still the team to beat in the Federal League. This is a team that went to states last year in softball. They graduated a lot of seniors, a lot of talent, but they typically don't rebuild. They reload, and I'm sure Hoover is very excited for a game like this tonight when Jackson is off to a tremendous start in a first year under a brand new head coach. So we'll have to see how that shakes out. Glen Oak is a very talented softball team, Mitch. The Green Lady Bulldogs are very talented. Lake off to an 0-6 start in softball, but at the same time, it's still very early. And as we know in baseball, and the same goes for softball, anybody can beat anybody on any given day. And so if we know one thing about league play, both in your area and my area, there's never a night off in league play. So the night that somebody takes Lake for granted or takes them lightly is the night that Lake's going to be able to get a federal league win somewhere and really throw a wrench into things for teams that think, oh, it's probably us and this team. Uh, it's very exciting. Softball up here is, I mean, the talent around Northeast Ohio, Mitch, in just softball and baseball is remarkable. And so we'll have to wait and see how this week plays out. But I'm very excited to see what happens. No doubt. And I should also mention before we go to break, another final that happened in the area was Tuscarora Central Catholic beating Malvern in five innings, 15 to one. Reese Triplett accounted for seven runs in that game, four RBIs, uh, three runs scored. She went two for three. Jordan Caldwell added a pair of RBIs, while Delaney Savage had a bases clearing double for the Saints, as Maddie Farrell uh, went four innings in the victory, striking out five while allowing three hits and an unearned run. So when we come back, we'll be going over more some of these stories that are happening in this week. Uh, we had a hiring, a drafting, uh, uh, some enshrinings here coming up soon. We'll be back right after this here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Hey there, folks. This is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 
is it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical fire or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experiencing a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week, visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing, quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrin Young & Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partnered with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Ben Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Vive Auto Sales, located on West High Avenue in New Philadelphia and Cleveland Avenue in Canton, is a used car dealership committed to getting financing for everyone. We give every customer that walks in our showrooms a prime buying experience, no matter their credit score or financial situation. Current inventory can be viewed at www.wefinancenow.com. Check out our Facebook pages for the most up-to-date information about upcoming events and promotions happening at Vive Auto Sales. Get out of the dugout and onto the field with help from Velocity Sports. Velocity Sports is a baseball and softball training academy with locations in North Canton and Canal Fulton. Our new Canal Fulton features 10,000 square feet of training space with six 
cages for hitting and pitching in a large commercial weight room. Velocity Sports will sharpen your skills and get you in the starting lineup. For more info, go to velosportsohio.com. And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show. Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Valla. Mitch, I'm switching gears here. I was just going to start off with one of our stories, but I want to start off with the news that broke yesterday, which was we have a new hiring at Canton McKinley High School. Uh, Sean Weatherspoon is officially becoming the next head coach of the boys' basketball team uh, after coaching Alliance High School last season. Weatherspoon was a member of the 2005 Camp McKinley boys state championship team, the first of a back-to-back, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but it's a it's a very cool story. Uh, Weatherspoon replaces Andy Vlaskovich, who resigned last month, and he now takes over a program that had a bit of a, a bit of a lull period last year, where he had multiple losses at the field house, not as much success as you probably would want from a Bulldogs program like that. I mean, what's your take on a hiring like this? I think this is a great hire for McKinley, Mitch, because you get somebody that played there and understands the history of the program, not only just from a fan, but also as somebody that is part of the history of the McKinley Bulldogs basketball program. You mentioned won the 2005 state championship uh, state championship with McKinley also played in two other state final four teams with McKinley during his time there with the Bulldogs. It's awesome to see former players go back home. And I think, and if you read the article uh, by the Canton Repository, you know, Coach Weatherspoon said it was a very tough decision, but at the end of the day, it was getting to go back home. I mean, he was at Alliance for one year after being at Maple Heights for three years prior to Alliance. He was the uh, Division Two, Region Four Coach of the Year, I believe, if I have that correct, yep. uh, in his first year with Alliance. And really, the Aviators were a very, very talented basketball team, and he still thinks, even after leaving, that they have so much more promise and they can you know, be the team they were last year for years to come. But to come back home, I'm sure, is an awesome feeling. Coach says in a quote that it's definitely a surreal moment, and I can't even imagine what it's like. And Coach Velakovich really did a nice job there uh, in his time at McKinley since he came down from Warren Harding. Uh, he resigned last month, and so it left an opening at McKinley. And to see the Bulldogs go after a former alum that had so much success with the Bulldogs, this is a great story. And I'm sure he wants to put the program back to where it was when he was there as a player. And knowing that, and he already made comments about how he wants to make sure he transforms the players both on and off the court uh, in the city of Canton is is very awesome to see. Um, it's It's more than basketball. It's more than just basketball for him, which is what you want out of a coach all the time. Uh, because basketball is going to stop eventually for all these players and you need to be prepared to go on for something after your basketball career. ends. so I think this is a phenomenal hiring by McKinley. I'm very excited to see the success he has there and to see if he can turn the field house back into what really Mitch for a number of years was the toughest place to play in the federal league. When it came to road games, it was always a tough place to play, but you mentioned it. There were some teams that went to McKinley this year and, there was really no home court advantage like we were accustomed to seeing over the past few years at McKinley. So I'm intrigued to see what coach Sean Weatherspoon can do now as he comes back home and leads his alma mater. No, you're you're right about that. I used to remember thinking that the only way that other teams could go into the field house and win uh, games is when the field house was hosting postseason contests in the districts and the regionals over in Canton. Uh, Weatherspoon actually does return to McKinley as a coach. He was an assistant under uh, Keith Knopf's, and uh, Brian Bowden from 2012 to 2015. So he's got 14 years in the coaching world uh, following his playing days at 
McKinley. And as you mentioned, Maple Heights, then Alliance, where he was the district, uh, a Division II District Four Coach of the Year with the Aviators last season, gave Carrollton a bit of a run for the EBC title and ended up tying, so they shared the championship. Uh, so there's that one story. We now go over to another story involving a Stark County basketball uh, star and one that has also been starring in college and will now hopefully star in the professional side. Uh, Taylor Mikesell was drafted 13th overall to the Indiana Fever last night in the WNBA draft following uh, a successful career with the Polar Bears, uh, your alma mater, Mitch. And then uh, she was able to head over to a number of schools, including Maryland, where she was the Big Ten Freshman of the Year. Then she transferred, transferred to Oregon after two seasons and then finished out her career at Ohio State this past season where she helped the Buckeyes reach the Elite Eight for the first time since 1993. I mean, Mitch, it's got to be such a celebratory period for you Jackson faithful, especially now that uh, Mike soul will be taking her talents to the professional league. Yeah. First off, congratulations to Taylor. Uh, this is a tremendous accomplishment. Obviously uh, this is just the first step of having a successful, you know, WNBA career, but being drafted 13th overall is an extreme accomplishment. She becomes the third Stark County player ever selected in the WNBA draft. The first in two years, Former McKinley High School grad Kirsten Bell was selected by the Las Vegas Aces two years ago. They won the WNBA championship. And then also Amherst Alston, a former lady pup from McKinley, was drafted by the New York Liberty in 2016. Mitch, I think when you and I are growing up and we see these really, we'll call them stars at the high school level, and you always wonder, you know, how far can they go? And I remember... Uh, Taylor was two years behind me in high school. And so I got to watch her play for two years. And as a freshman on varsity, she made a tremendous impact. That team went to the regionals and she was a big time player as a freshman, which you don't see typically at high school level sports, but you knew she was going to be a star. She went on to break the all-time scoring record at Jackson held or still holds the most points scored in a game in the state of Ohio in women's basketball history. I believe it's 63 points. Mitch, I've never seen a shooter in high school basketball like her uh, and her work ethic is off the charts. You see players all the time. They go to practice, they play their game, but they're also students. But Taylor Mikesell was either practicing basketball or taking care of her schoolwork. And then you got to see it in the collegiate level. Like you mentioned, big 10 freshman of the year, Great run at Maryland, then Oregon, then Ohio State. And she's very deserving of this honor. And I know Jackson, I know the Lady Bears basketball program uh, led by head coach Anthony Butch, who we've had on the show before. They had a watch party for the draft last night at a local uh, bar restaurant here in Jackson Township. And it just is so awesome because she is the first ever women's basketball player drafted from Jackson High School. Uh, and she is not only had a incredible career so far, Mitch, but she has inspired so many young girls basketball players, much like Kirsten Bell and Amherst Alston did over at McKinley. And that's what you really love to see. You see them have these young, younger generations, watch them. And I want to be like her. And now they pick up basketball and they got to see it up front. Now they get to watch her play for the Indiana fever, which isn't that far either, Mitch, which is all really awesome because she's not going to be that far from home. And there's going to be, I imagine, a lot of polar bear fans that grew up watching her that will go over there and watch her in her professional career now in Indiana. And just an incredible accomplishment. And I wish Taylor nothing but the best. And I think she definitely could have a long WNBA career. Well, I was looking at the numbers that you mentioned. Uh, Mike still became the all-time leading scorer for Stark County, set numerous records while at Jackson, including the Ohio mark 
for most three-pointers in a game with 14, I believe, out of 17 attempts during her career-best 60-point performance against Austintown Fitch during her senior season, a season in which she was named the OHSBCA Division I Player of the Year, averaged 30.7 points, along with six and a half rebounds and 3.7 steals, which is unbelievable. And it's easy to see why she was able to work her way into Division I play with Maryland, Oregon, and the Buckeyes. So... We go from that to another story that uh, uh, features a number of famous names between your area and mine. The uh, 2023 class for the Ohio Basketball Hall of Fame uh, has been announced. They will all be enshrined June 10th in Columbus at the Hilton Polaris. A number of big names here. I remember uh, hearing and uh, seeing these people from year in and year out. Uh, a number of them, including, but not limited to, uh, North Canton native Joe DeRosa, who was a longtime official for the NBA and the NCAA. I believe he's the only person, one of two people to have ever refereed an NBA Finals game and an NCAA Final Four game. Uh, so he will be uh, enshrined there as well. Canton native Perry Reese Jr. went to Timken, then later on coached uh, a number of seasons, especially over at Berlin Highland, where he led the program to their first ever state championship in 1992. That kind of kicked off that boys program success. Uh, you also had Akron Manchester product Mike Phillips, who ended up winning a state title with Manchester and then the national title with Kentucky in 1978. He and uh, Reese will be both be honored posthumously and a number of names, including uh, Andra Bell, Jim Brewer, former Cavalier, Norris Cole, Gail Doherty, Gino Ford, who's still coaching uh, college basketball today, Amber Gray, Erica Hayes-Zinn, Don Nodell, Nikita Lowry-Dawkins, Jim John Mulhone, Tom Reddick, Bill Zabo, Robin Tucker, Chico Vaughn, and Al Vilcek. So you see all of those names there, Mitch. It's really impressive to see, especially when you kind of consider that these guys have been staples in the area for a long time. And that's exactly what they are, Mitch. They're staples. You have coaches that want to be like some of the names in the area you mentioned that are getting inducted into the Ohio High School Hall of Fame. You have people that saw Joe DeRosa become a phenomenal official at the collegiate level and professional level. And we talk about things like officiating, and it's something that's really not popular, right? And there's many reasons for it. And there's certain classes now in the state of Ohio uh, one being led by uh, Jackson assistant baseball coach, Dan Rodriguez, who is now actually traveling to speak to other high schools in the area about officiating and the importance of it. And he actually had Joe DeRosa, I believe, come in uh, along with other hmm. professional officials come in to talk about officiating. And so to know that you have somebody in your backyard here in Ohio, but more specifically right here in Northeast Ohio is tremendous. And to see where it can take you. And I think that's a big thing is you, you have a goal and a dream job as a child and to see like, Hey, you know, Joe DeRosa, like you mentioned, one of two to officiate an NCAA final four and an NBA finals. He can do it. Why can't I? And so it also, we mentioned Taylor Mikesell just now inspiring younger generations. Joe DeRosa could very easily be inspiring somebody to say, I want to be a professional official or a collegiate official, and then they might end up in the same spot that DeRosa, Reese Jr., Mike Phillips, and everybody else you just mentioned could be in. And so it's just, it's a tremendous honor to go into any sort of Hall of Fame, but to have the career that those three and the many other names you mentioned, but the three local names had, uh, a big congratulations to them, and it's very well-deserved. Yeah, especially when you talk about DeRosa, we also had uh, Phillips headlining those names there, and then Reese. 
I will always uh, respect and appreciate the story of Reese coming in at, uh, as a longtime assistant under Charlie Huggins, who was a class of 2016 inductee. And then he was the uh, he took over the Highland program in the late 80s and kind of had to overcome some cultural barriers in an Amish area of the state, uh, an African-American Catholic coach coming in to to take over the program in that area. And he won a lot of people over by being a good uh, as good a person as he was a coach in the community uh, end up taking that program to new, the, the highest of heights than they hadn't seen before. And uh, it's a shame that he uh, is not with us anymore. And uh, we, all, I should mention, I should, I cannot fail. I cannot forget to mention the three teams that are going to be uh, honored into the hall of fame this year. Two of them are from the same school. They're both uh, the 1982 and 83 Zanesville Rosecrans girls basketball state champions that were coached by Dave Bell. That's a given. We cannot forget to address the third team, which is the 1967 Strasburg Tigers boys basketball team that won the school's first and to date only boys basketball state title uh, with an undefeated 27-0 season. That team included a, a number of, of great names, you know, Ed Yaki, Ed Russ, uh, John Studer, obviously, who was the Class A Player of the Year, and one Charles Jones. So congratulations to our, our head here, Old Melotones, for that, uh, being part of that honor. Gene Bayer and Butch Haswell, I should mention as well. Uh, just a great team. One, one of the highest scoring teams in an era that didn't even include the three-point line, uh, average, or scored 80 or more points nine times in, in a game's. And then they would end up making this run to the state championship, had to survive a little bit in the state semifinals and then beat Arcanum in the championship to win the final in Columbus. So congratulations to all the individual honorees. Congratulations to the teams. We'll be seeing them inducted here pretty soon uh, in June. And we'll be seeing you guys right after this break here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. You asked for it and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering certified nail technician as an adult education program. This 216-hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from 5 to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit BuckeyeCareerCenter.org for more information. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. 
football is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. You matter. Everyone plays a part. We all have a role. Each of us can make a difference. You do matter, and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward. With each of us helping one another to cope, feel better, and know that we belong. Pass on the positivity today. Tell someone else they matter too. Alt Care. Alt Care, Alt Care. Where you matter. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world, get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell alongside Mitchell Ballas. So, Mitch, this is a very, how do we say, anti-Big Apple week here in the state of Ohio. Not only do we have the start of the NBA playoffs upcoming, which we'll get to later on in the show, but we have just started off a three-game set with the evil empire that is the New York Yankees. And the Cleveland Guardians did not look to be getting off to the greatest of starts on Monday as it was announced that uh, Aaron Savali is going to miss significant time with uh, kind of a sudden injury out of nowhere. Uh, he's placed in the injured list with Peyton Battenfield selected to the team. That's the second prime star- primary starter for the Guardians to go down in the last couple of weeks. And Tristan McKenzie now going to the 60-day list. So that's not a great uh, way to kick things off. But Shane Bieber cleans up a lot of messes. For Cleveland, he was able to do so last night. He also had Mike Zanino contributing as well. Josh Naylor was able to get a sack fly in there, and then you had Karen Check and Class A closing down that game to secure a huge season series opening victory at the corner of Carnegie in Ontario. Mitch, this was a game that looked ugly in the top of the first inning. Beaver giving up three hits, the two runs coming across the score to Giancarlo Stanton double. But Mitch, Bieber did exactly what he did last year in ALDS game number two, a game in which I believe Stanton went deep off of him in the first inning. Stanton did it again, but then Bieber settled in and went seven strong innings, kept the team in the game, and the Guardians did what we were so used to seeing them do last year, playing their style of baseball. If I told you your first six or seven hitters in the lineup, we're not going to have a hit you would not have thought the Guardians had a chance to win this game. But Mike Zunino and Miles Straw, with the four hits that the Guardians had total last night between the two of them, some big at-bats, and also one of the most bizarre ground rule doubles I've ever seen in my life from Zunino uh, that I don't think I've ever seen in my life, and I'd be shocked to see if there's ever been another ground rule double like that in the history of Jacobs slash progressive field. But they did what they had to do, and they turned it over to the two most reliable guys in our bullpen that we had last year in Karen check and class a, and 
Mitch, for as great as Miles Straw is defensively, he made a blunder in the eighth inning that allowed a single to turn into a leadoff triple, and Karen Check picked him up. This team always seems to pick each other up. And for as many times as Miles Straw has bailed his pitchers out over the past two seasons, Karen Check came to the rescue last night and stranded a leadoff triple at third that was the tying run. And this team found a way to win. And what I don't want to say it was a must-win game, Mitch, but it was a game you really expected to win because last time you and I talked on last week's last episode of the podcast, it was supposed to be Garrett Cole versus Shane Bieber on Monday night. Yep. The Yankees pushed Garrett Cole back. He will now start Tuesday night's game. And when that happened, you almost thought to yourself, well, if Bieber's pitching, this is a game they have to win. And not only do they have to win, but they were able to get Shane Bieber the win, Mitch. How many times have we seen Shane Bieber have a dominant performance giving up one to two runs and they can't get him a win or they have to get him a no decision? It's a great win for the Guardians after a thrilling extra any win on the Sunday versus the Mariners in a game that you and I both said before we started recording today was a big win because you didn't want to get swept at home in your opening weekend on the home opener. And they avoided that. They win the season series already against Seattle, which is very odd to say. You played them seven times in the first 10 games of the season. Mm-hmm. You win the first game against the New York Yankees. And your best hitters didn't even do anything offensively, which is pretty remarkable to say when you win a game like this. And how refreshing is it to see a catcher that can hit for us? I mean, come on. Yeah, no doubt. I needed to show this here before we uh, before we move on. I just wanted to get that out to the to the to the show just because I, I i enjoyed the sight of this uh i just wanted to get that out there uh, but no that seattle game i think was very important into getting some momentum going into the yankee series particularly when it didn't start off very well for zach plesak where i think he had a better he had a much better start than he did in oakland his start after he gave up the home run to cal raleigh on a changeup, hooked into the bottom of the strike zone uh on the first inning on sunday he settled down Struck out six, all on his slider. The slider looked very sharp compared to his other pitches that day. And he, he pitched a little more power uh, in comparison to precision. And the offense was able to pick him up late. Will Brennan, of all players, came up big twice. Had the two-out, two-on double that glanced off of Julio Rodriguez's glove. And, it, and then he had the seeing-eye single through the right side that was able to score a run in the 11th inning. And then with the, uh, what was it, bases loaded or second and third, whatever it was in the 12th, Josh Bell, the man was 0 for 5 going into that at bat. Just look, his swing looks so long. And I know it's always looked that long, but it just looks so long compared to some of these pitches that are being thrown. He got enough of the bat, the bat on the ball in that last at bat. It's a walk-off fielder's choice ground ball. Jose Ramirez had a great uh, sprint home and a slide just ahead of the tag. And I, I legitimately thought they were going to look at it at first from my point of view, because we have a bit of a tape delay when it comes to the televisions and the box. It's like, are they not going to look at it? We're all celebrating here. They're not going to look at it. They're, this is a win. Right, I'm like, okay, that's that's a good victory. It's a good morale booster for the team who really had been using the uh, bullpen a lot lately. And Plesak was one of the starters that went pretty long in comparison to others. So the bullpen hadn't been been used as much but then we went when we went into the 10th inning and the 11th inning and the 12th inning and you're using your guys karen check class a uh nick sandlin uh on uh, angel de los santos i mean that was the, just the one part where tim heron and who ended up getting his first major league win that's the one where i'm like Ugh, we need these guys for the next three days we don't need to be wasting them on a sunday but 
nevertheless, they ended up getting that victory and they get the victory on Monday night. Tuesday, it's going to be tough because it's Garrett Cole going up against Hunter Gaddis. And Hunter Gaddis didn't look bad. He hasn't looked bad this season. It's just when you bring him up in the minor leagues, unexpectedly when McKenzie goes down, you're going to have to really step up uh, a la what McKenzie's been able to do in the last couple of seasons against the best teams for some reason. He always was having his best starts. I mean, we saw it last year against the Yankees, last year against the White Sox. Um, But we'll see what happens there. Uh, And then you wanted to get into this topic as well during our baseball segment. This, this, uh, this Tampa Bay Rays team, man, this is a fascinating, fascinating start to the season. And we've seen starts like this before where teams just seem like they're never going to lose, lose, lose. And then they end up kind of petering out as the season goes along. How real is this Rays team right now? And I'm looking at the run differential. It's in 76 runs scored. That is by far the highest in Major League Baseball. 18 runs allowed. 58 differential is insane at this point in the season. A 10-0 start to a season is remarkable. And listen, I am not sitting here saying they beat great teams, Mitch. They opened up the season against some pretty bad teams. But you can only play who's on your schedule. And the Rays have taken advantage of it and have all of a sudden just looked like the team to beat in baseball. 76 runs scored, 18 runs given up. They have a 58 positive run differential. They're 10-0. and They beat the Red Sox last night, 1-0 in the game that it kind of looked like the Red Sox were going to end that streak. Now you have signs at the ballpark at uh, Tropicana Field, 162-0. Obviously, you know, as cool as that would be, we're never going to see something like no. that. Yeah. Will we? But the Tampa Bay Rays, Mitch, all of a sudden are showing you why the talk about the Toronto Blue Jays and the New York Yankees at the top two teams, the AL East, may have been a little premature. This is a team that has a very good pitching staff, has a very good bullpen, and has a lot of guys in that lineup that, much like guys in Cleveland, just do their job. And it's a tremendous start to the season. I mean, I just, when you look at the standings, you look at the numbers, you see plus 58. Mitch, the next best run differential in baseball is the Dodgers at plus 24, and they're six and five. It's, it's, Incredible to see a start like this. It's very historic. I believe they said a, only one other team in the history of baseball has ever started out 10 and 0, but the Rays are blowing them away in this start because of the runs scored versus runs given up. How long is this going to last? How sustainable is it? We'll have to wait and see. But even if they played some bad teams, they opened up with the Tigers, then they played the Nationals, then they played the A's. You're talking about three, perhaps the worst teams in baseball. The Red Sox, it looks like Mitch are going to have a down year. They just lost Adam Duvall, who was off to a phenomenal start for the Red Sox. But I just wanted to make sure we touched on them because the run they're on right now to start a season is pretty remarkable. And their pitching staff, Mitch, just looks as good as it was kind of expected to be last year before they lost Tyler Glass. Now, well, they lost him at the end of 21. But McClanahan and Glass now at the top of their rotation, Charlie Morton, or I'm sorry, he's in Atlanta now, but he was there. But just, wow, the Tampa Bay Rays look legit. And it's a big reason why I couldn't get so high on the Blue Jays and all the offseason hype. Much like the Mariners have had before the season started, Mitch, there's always these teams that have a lot of offseason hype that you have to wait and see. Um, now, our Guardians obviously handed the Mariners four of their seven losses so far this season. But thank goodness that we don't play Tampa Bay for a little while. Cause I would not want to face them right now. 
No doubt. I mean, Tampa Bay is the first team, I believe, to win their first 10 games since the 1987 Milwaukee Brewers. Um, so there's that. And uh, yeah, the, the, I'm looking at that run differential. That's an insane thing. And again, the teams are not great, but you got to win these games. There's nothing more to say at this point. Once again, to the, once again, to the meat of the schedule, then we can start talking. But that's the thing, Mitch. You look at the schedule every year. You play the schedule game in every single sport you're a fan of. The Guardians, after the series with the Yankees, Mitch, kind of have a schedule like the Rays have had to start the season. You're talking against the Nationals, the Tigers. Both those are three-game sets. And they come home and play the Marlins for three, the Rockies for three, and then they go to Boston, a team that just lost their, we'll say, second-best hitter behind Evers in Duval. Those are five series that the Guardians should win, Mitch. Now, should and will, or will they, is a completely different story, but the Guardians should be looking to do exactly what Tampa Bay is doing. Now, maybe not, you know, sweep every series, as awesome as that would be, but you can only play who's on your schedule. And that's the big thing in baseball, because when you see starts like this for Tampa, it means they're going to have a stretch where they're going to play some of the top teams consecutive weeks. And the Guardians after this Yankee series have a, we'll call it break versus lesser opponents in baseball. But that ultimately means they're going to have a stretch somewhere in the rest of the season where they're playing top teams throughout all of baseball for about a month straight. So they have to take advantage of this. And Mitch, the reason I'm so happy with this start is typically a Tito led ball club never starts out April strong in Cleveland. They are always a team that gets hot down the stretch and makes runs of the postseason late. And so if they can really start the season strong here, this is a great start for the Guardians. And that's why I'm so excited and why you have to mention, you can only play who's on your schedule, right? We, we can't be looking at October yet. We can't be looking about what happens if we play the Rays. Injuries happen. Look, we just, we're talking about Aaron Savali right now. That I didn't even know he got hurt. Hmm. I don't think anybody did until the report came out yesterday. Mackenzie now on the 60-day IL. We'll see what happens, but what the Rays are doing or what the, is what the Guardians should look to do after this New York series because those five series I mentioned after New York, Mitch, are all series the Guardians should and I believe have to win. And we'll have to sit here and find out as we're at seven and four today. Uh, the last point I was going to make is that speaking of Milwaukee, the top four teams in the overall standings right now, uh, I believe on tiebreakers, are Tampa Bay, Milwaukee, Cleveland, and Arizona, that's that that's that's not good for the league offices, but it's good for every one of those uh, fan base members, which is great. Atlanta's tied for at seven and four right now with Arizona and Cleveland, but Atlanta is Atlanta. They were with this for the sake of our of our uh, uh, statement. All right, we come back. I'm going to tell you about a story that fell apart in real time, and then we're going to go into um, uh, what was it? The play-in tournament right after this. Hey there, folks. This is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 is, it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical, fire, or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experience a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. 
Are you trying to increase your speed, quickness, vertical leap, and agility? If so, NST Sports Performance is for you. NST trains athletes ages 5 through pro. NST designs each program specific to the athlete's needs, goals, and sports. For more, visit nstsports.com. Locations in North Canton and New Philadelphia. It's nstsports.com. It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison Counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website, albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. Hard work is something you're accustomed to. Van Nostrand Young understands that principle. Our access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance. Safety and prevention specialists utilize our VanCan assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. You want the safest environment for your business, and we can guide you there. Call Van Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. If you're purchasing a new home, the team at Hartzler's Quality Housing is here to help. Take advantage of record low interest rates to make your new home a reality. Locally owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's Quality Housing has the experience to guide you through the process. You'll find a wide selection of model homes on site to fit any budget. Open six days a week just off I-77. You can also visit them online at Hartzlers.com. Hartzlers Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. Think Ferris. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level A. Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Get out of the dugout and onto the field with help from Velocity Sports. Velocity Sports is a baseball and softball training academy with locations in North Canton and Canal Fulton. Our new Canal Fulton features 10,000 square feet of training space with six cages for hitting and pitching and a large commercial weight room. Velocity Sports will sharpen your skills and get you in the starting lineup. For more info, go to velosportsohio.com. All right, Mitch, you're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. The reason I have a sports group chat, Mitch, among one of the reasons is that I like to have it as a sort of... Uh, Bulletin board of real-time posts and events. Um, look, we were kind of going at this this morning, and we were wondering what's going to happen of it. So here, here's the breakdown. So at 10.27 a.m. today, on Tuesday, it was NFL reporter Brad Stainbrook 
who posted the following source Brown's corner, Greg Newsome would like to be traded. Okay. This was after uh, it was what drew Rosenhaus's um, agency. Um, the name's escaping me right now. They announced that Greg Newsome had returned as one of their clients. He had been bouncing around between CAA clutch sports, and now he's back with Rosenhaus, which, you know, Rosenhaus also was part of that whole David and Joku uh, trade request that never panned out. Um, but at the beginning, we were thinking, oh, boy, Rosenhaus is doing it again, trying to get his player out of Cleveland. You know, that's our whole thing. So then at, what was it? At 10.51 a.m., Adam Schefter tweeted the following. Amid speculation that he wants to be traded, Browns corner Greg Newsom and his agent Drew Rosenhaus met today with the team to discuss his future role there. Uh, Rosenhaus said, quote, Greg is happy to be with the Browns. Everything was very positive, and Greg is happy with his role in playing for new defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz, unquote. So then, where was it? The, there's a Really, the, the, the chat just has the same tweet every single uh, time here, pretty much. And then... At what was it? 11:30 a.m. Stainbrook tweeted a post saying that he would like to apologize to Greg Newsom for his later regarding his later support. Uh, uh, Stainbrook's goal is to be accurate and correct, and today I failed to imbue the entire picture, and instead I jumped the gun. To be 100% clear, I was told Greg Newsom wanted to be traded. I will never reveal where I get information from, but I would have never even reported it in the first place if I didn't trust where I was getting information from. I am confused why someone would lie to me regarding that information, but I will continue to improve and learn from this mistake. Again, I apologize to Greg Newsom regarding this report. That's on the post on at Stainbrook NFL's Twitter account. Look, Mitch, there's a lot of Twitter is a very reactionary place. It can be. And alongside a very reactionary post earlier this morning by Stainbrook, the reactions towards him in the, fan base to his reporting it's been, it, it's it's been a little bit of dogpiling and i can understand the response but i'm trying to just keep a level head in everything that's been going on right now because things like this can happen you know you don't have the right you don't have a, a great source if somebody tells you something that they don't mean i'm not trying to I, i'm not here to get on this podcast and and pile on what has already been i'm sure that this is a reporter's ultimate nightmare is getting your source yeah. getting your story wrong or getting your source wrong and you know it it, it kind of just took us away from for a few minutes of like oh well greg newsom will he be traded will he not be traded i didn't think he was going to regardless of whether this report turned out to be true but it's it's fascinating to me that this, this story played out within an hour just like uh uh, uh beginning Rising action, main conflict, uh, falling action, resolution. We had we hit all the stages pretty much. Yeah, I mean, Mitch, when we started recording this, it was oh boy, Greg Newsom wants out of Cleveland per the reports, you know. And to to Brad Stainbrook's defense, and you're right, this is a reporter's worst nightmare. But at the same time, if you have a source you trust, you put it out there without revealing your source, and you trust that person for reason. Brad has broken other stories before, and he's been spot on about it. Um, this happens to everybody though, right? And now examples can't come to mind, but I'm sure it's happened to Adam Schefter and Woj and all the big name reporters yeah. out there, Ian Rappaport as well. It sucks, but Mitch, 
in due time, Brad Stainbrook will break something else. It'll yes. be true. And a lot of people forget about this. The reason his report seemed so believable is because Greg Newsom switched agencies again, went with Drew Rosenhaus, who Mitch, we've seen it before. When he represents a Cleveland athlete, they demand a trade. David Njoku is a perfect example. The Browns, though, worked through it. They kept him. And now David Njoku signed an extension, is very well paid, and is a very big focal point of the Cleveland Browns offense moving forward. I'm like you. I don't think Greg Newsom was going to be traded, even if he requested a trade. This is a organization in front office that we know how much they love their draft picks, but it's not like Greg Newsom is some guy that you can just kind of throw by the wayside. Newsom is a starting quarter in the corner in the NFL. And to be on the opposite side of the field of Denzel Ward and alongside Martin Emerson, this is a secondary that if put in the right position can be extremely successful. Right. You look at the talent. We always talk about on paper, the Browns roster is this on paper. It's that. Well, when you look on paper, it is talented. We have a new defensive coordinator here this year in Jim Schwartz. Why would you not want to see what happens here? If Greg Newsom is worried about getting paid, that's fine. But at the same time, Greg Newsom has zero career interceptions. Right. He has to perform better if he wants paid. And there's talk. Well, he's not going to get paid because the Browns have Denzel Ward. That is two years away. Yeah. Right. I'm not saying this because I hope it happens, but there's a chance the Browns trade Denzel Ward to relieve cap space. Next year, they're already going to be $54 million over the cap. We cannot worry about future contracts for players on rookie deals. That is not something that Andrew Barry can worry about. And even if we're worried about the cap, Mitch, we have the cap God, may I say it, and Andrew Barry that knows how to manipulate the cap. I'm not worried about that at all. I'm happy Greg Newsom is going to be here. I, I do think the one puzzling thing, and Greg Newsom addressed it in his tweet, is yesterday he just announced he's having a celebrity softball game at Classic Park up in Lake County. Right. Why would he do that if he wants to have a Cleveland? I, I mean, that's that's the one thing that I was kind of still thinking in my head. Why would you put that out there for a date in June, which isn't that far away, in Cleveland if you want out of Cleveland? And Greg Newsom came out, shot down the reports. Obviously, Schefter's report puts it out there. I'm happy he's going to stay here. Look, Rosenhaus is notorious for getting his his clients the last possible amount of money they can possibly get. We'll worry about that when his contract's up in two more years. Until then, Greg Newsom has to show out and play out. I mean, what corner is going to get Denzel type Denzel Ward type money with zero interceptions? The answer is zero. Yeah, uh, so we'll have to wait and see. But for the most part, I feel for Brad because I do think he's a very phenomenal reporter, especially given his age, Mitch. He's younger than you and I. And getting into the industry he's in is extremely tough. Mm -hmm. And this will all go away as soon as he has another report to to break and it turns out to be true. Um, I'm happy that Greg Newsom's here. We'll find out what really transpires in the next two seasons. But as of now, your, your starting corners are great in Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, and Martin Emerson Jr. Yeah, the, this is the uh, responses from Greg Newsom and Javante Moffat actually got this kicked off here, saying that Greg Newsom wasn't going anywhere. And then they uh, Newsom responded to that. We hear for the long haul family. Javante Moffat got involved, and Newsom retweeted that. Uh, well, he retweeted uh, more for you, Cleveland's thing, which was like kind of made the fan base look a little bit rough. But that that doesn't that doesn't apply to the entire Browns fandom. So I'm not taking that too too uh, heavily. Um, We'll see. We got two more years of this guy. Potentially, we shall see. 
Um, now, the last thing we wanted to talk about was the play-in tournament because the Cavaliers have a week off pretty much, and they're about to take on New York this Saturday. We're, we're really going to get into that in the Thursday episode because that's where we can kind of get into what the series could be. Now, as for tonight, we have a few matchups to start off the play-in, which is the annual. And by the way, did you see this new CBA thing, Mitch, by the way? This CBA, which is going to include a, a play-in in-season tournament this year they're not not even this year but could be next year as early as next year i've never understood the need for an for an in-season tournament other than just incentivize the players to give a crap for the middle of the year i've never understood that i i don't either i don't either and to be honest a lot of the cba language that's out mitch i really love and it actually benefits the Cavs in terms of cap and contract structure because we have Darius Garland, who we have signed to an extension. We obviously have Donovan Mitchell, who we know is a free agent in two more seasons. And obviously we'd hope to re-sign him here for a max contract. But then you also worried, oh my goodness, what about Evan Mobley? This is a future potential superstar who, as it stands right now, after a leak yesterday, might win defensive player of the year. And now it looks like there's a way the Cavs can afford to keep all three. Uh, I love the new minimum game requirement for NBA awards. It hopefully will. Yeah alter the whole load management thing for players that aren't really hurt uh, coming back and just missing games. And really much, I think the city of Cleveland was the, was the city and team that was victimized the most by it because of how many teams came to Cleveland this year and stars sat. We talked yeah. about it earlier mid season about the number of stars that came to Cleveland and their teams that just didn't play. Um, and, and that really stinks because there are players that you will go watch just because you want to see them in person. And that's unfortunate. I mean, the Warriors basically benched their entire uh, starting five when they came here, and there was people that wanted to go see Steph Curry, and rightfully so. I'd want to go see Steph Curry. Now that they've put something in, a 65-game minimum requirement to be eligible for postseason awards, you know when you win an award, there's also bonuses in there in contracts. So we'll see what this looks like now. Um, I think the tournament more so, Mitch, is just – see teams maybe avoid tanking a little more, but are you ever really going to get rid of tanking in the NBA? The answer is no, no, because you're, you're never going to be able to have a competitive team from one to 32 in the association or one to 30, whatever it is. And I don't even blame teams for trying to tank this year because it looks like we might have the next all time great superstar coming out in the draft, but we'll wait and see. I just am not a fan of the in season tournament. Yeah, tanking will never go away. Tanking like the Dallas Mavericks did the other night needs to go away because that was so blatant that the NBA is going to have yes. to investigate it potentially. Uh, that's not here nor there. We didn't even get into the Rudy Gobert. Like the last day of the season was so insane because you had multiple teams in fighting. You had the Dallas Mavericks giving up. Rudy Gobert punched his own teammate, Ryan Anderson, and now he's not even going to be in part of the opening round play-in game for the Timberwolves who are playing tonight in Los Angeles to take on the Lakers, that game is going to be Lakers all day unless the Timberwolves find some way to really group together. Hawks and Heat will be an interesting one. Two teams that I thought would be in the top uh, six potentially this season. You know, they kind of had to scratch and claw their way in. I think Miami still wins as a favorite, but I think it'll be close. I think Atlanta will give them a decent game. Uh, I mean, I'd like to get your takes on what could happen tonight. I think that... If we're being honest here, Mitch, I like the teams at home. I like the Heat over the Hawks tonight. I do think that is going to be a very 
entertaining game because of the talent on the floor. We know the Hawks had a disappointing regular season. We know the Heat had a very disappointing regular season. And those are two teams, Mitch, that if they get in the playoffs, yeah, you're probably going to lean Boston and Milwaukee over the two teams that make the play-in, but it doesn't mean it couldn't be an entertaining series. I mean, Miami is a team fully capable of taking down the Celtics. They almost did it last year in the Eastern Conference Finals. And the Hawks, we saw it a couple of years ago. They got hot at the right time and made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I like the Heat tonight. I like the Lakers because besides Rudy Gobert being out, Jaden McDaniels, Mitch, was so frustrated in that game, he punched a wall and fractured his hand or wrist. The last time the Timberwolves played the Lakers, he was tasked of guarding LeBron James, and LeBron actually had a horrendous shooting game. And now a guy that, granted, it's the regular season. We know playoff LeBron is a completely different animal. But a guy that really kind of kept your team in the game and helped the Timberwolves and holding LeBron to a very poor game is not available. And so I like the Lakers to roll at home tonight. I also think the Lakers would rather see Memphis in the first round of the playoffs and also stay on that yeah. side of the bracket if they yeah. were to continue to win. And then potentially, you know, as it would look, maybe Denver, maybe Phoenix in the Western Conference Finals, the Lakers get that far. I think the intriguing one, though, Mitch, is tomorrow night, the Raptors take on the Bulls. I think the Raptors will win that easily. I think the Raptors are a team that could actually then beat the loser of the Heat-Hawks game and get in as the eighth seed. And we'll have to wait and see how that transpires. But I think the most entertaining game out of all four playing games is the Oklahoma City Thunder and the New Orleans Pelicans. The Thunder, Mitch, Chet Holmgren, was ruled out for the season before the season ever ever started. And it was all the Thunder. They're done. They have no chance. They're not going to be able to make the playoffs. This is a team that already has 17 draft picks for however many years coming up. They're just going to tank and and rebuild. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander and that young Thunder team proved everybody wrong. Yes, it's the play-in. I don't care. The West is loaded. They're in there, and now they're taking on a Pelicans team that had a lot of pressure that started off the season very hot. And there's a lot of pressure on the Pelicans to win this game, not only on on the players, but on David Griffin, the general manager, too. I'm not saying that's fair because you cannot predict health concerns and injury concerns with Zion Williamson, but there's a lot of pressure on that team. And I feel like the Thunder are just kind of playing with house money because literally nobody expected them to even sniff the play-in tournament. And here they are, and now they're going to try to make some noise. And if they beat the Pelicans, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they could beat the Timberwolves should the Lakers beat the Timberwolves tonight. I, I'm very intrigued to see how this goes because it's a one-game series. The winner, you move on. The loser, in one aspect, your season's over. The other one, you're right back into the brink of elimination, which is very entertaining. Yeah, I have the Thunder winning that game, and I have the Raptors beating the Bulls on that Wednesday night game which would then lead to uh toronto up against i expect uh would be atlanta so that could be an interesting one there to take take the eight seed which would then play milwaukee none of these teams are going to make here's the thing are the thunder the one team to you mitch that could make a serious run at us at least a second round matchup with a team or is this all just a wash. Nobody cares. All these teams are going to be out by the end of the first. I think the two teams that can make a run are the Lakers and the heat. Mm. The only reason I don't think the thunder can is because I do think they're very talented. They've obviously surprised a lot of people, 
they would play the Nuggets and Mitch, they don't have anybody to stop Jokic. There. And that's the big concern, right? I mean, when you look at this, it's typically the best players show out and carry their teams. I mean, folks, we watched it firsthand for years. And Jokic and the Nuggets have a lot of pressure on them. And if the Thunder somehow got in there and beat the Nuggets in the round one, Mitch, what would happen in Denver? Would we be talking about a complete blow up in terms of what we saw with the Utah Jazz last year? Potentially. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility because the Nuggets have done this now for two straight years of getting in, being a team to beat, and they can't do it. And now you're talking about a potential first round exit as number one seed. If things transpired that way, that would be a very, very intriguing offseason in Denver. I think that would be a fun series still, but I just don't think the Thunder have enough to stay with the Denver Nuggets. All right, so we'll take a look at what happens tonight in this uh, round of the plans, and then Wednesday as well, and then Thursday, I believe, is the final batch of games before we head into the uh, first round of the playoffs, which begins on Saturday. And that is all the time we have here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Thank you so much for listening or watching here on YouTube, as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. You can also find us on our website, BigTimeSportsOhio.com, on Twitter at BTS Ohio, or you can find us on big uh, Facebook and Instagram, Big Time Sports Ohio, the full thing there, at Mitch Spinell everywhere, at Mitchell Ballard everywhere. Mitch, what's the fact of the day? Mitch, the fact of the day comes from you, actually, because mm. you said yes. to me. Yes. I'm assuming most people out there during our COVID and quarantine days remember Firefest on Netflix, the whole festival that was supposed to go on that never happened. Yeah, there were well, two Billy of them, actually, one on Netflix, one on Hulu. Yeah, well, Billy McFarland tweeted, Fire Festival 2 is finally happening. Tell me why you should be invited. Mitch, I asked the question, is Fire Festival 2 actually going to happen, or is this another hoax? I mean, it, it, it is, well, um, it's, it, it, based on the track record of Billy McFarland, I, I, I mean, it has to be legit. I mean, you saw what he did with that black credit card. And the first festival where you saw the sandwiches that they were providing there in those styrofoam boxes, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it, that was it was a very fascinating documentary. Um, the the Netflix one, not the Hulu. Hulu one was, I believe, produced by at least a couple of influencers that made it kind of look like they may not have been as at fault because there was a huge thing in that Netflix one was there were social media campaigns to trick people into thinking that, oh, this was going to be the best thing ever, even when it wasn't set up yet. So I don't know. Um, do you, do you want to go? Do you want me, do you want me to, I mean, we tweet could, I've never been, to, I've never been to a, a weekend or a week long music festival. I've always wanted to go to Coachella. Maybe not. Well, I'm sure people will say, Oh, you don't want to go to Coachella now because it's gotten too big. Uh, there's Lola Palooza in Chicago. I believe there's another one in Miami, uh, burning man, obviously, but I've always wanted to go to, something like that um we can we can put down some ticket we can put down some money if if necessary um we'll do the podcast from there i i would love one day i would love to take this show on the road whether we go up to cleveland for a championship setting like if the Cavs make the finals this summer or if the guardians were to make a world series run i would love to take a table and a bunch of equipment to some it could be at the top of a parking garage near the arena i just want to do it there so that we can have like this sort of in with the rest of the fans. And if we were to win, you'd be like, oh, let's go down the street and, you know, live interview all the people. But that could be really cool doing it from Fire Festival. Also, you know, it, it's it's stuff like that that proves that the limits people will go to secure bottled water. We thank you so much for listening or watching to the Big Time Sports Podcast Show.